Hello and welcome back to Have You Seen It? I'm Maggie and in this episode I have a historical fantasy from South Korea to tell you about. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, so before I actually jump into this episode, I do want to say that this episode was supposed to come out two weeks ago, but I was an idiot and picked up two days at work, so I worked 12 straight days, which was a lot, and I'm about to work another 12 straight days because, again, I'm an idiot. So this episode is coming out this week. I'm hoping to get next week's episode out next week, but there is a real chance that it might be the week after. We shall see. I don't know why... I did this to myself. I don't even think I realized that it was 12 days too off and then 12 more days, but I'm, yeah. So this is late. Next week's will probably be late. It's throwing off my whole schedule. I'm stressed out about it. I apologize. But this week's show is Arthdale Chronicles. It is a fantasy show from South Korea, like I just said in the intro. It was created by Yim Myung Han and Chin Yi Che, and it is a KPJ and Studio Dragon production. It was distributed on TVN in Korea and internationally on Netflix in 2019. There is one season and it has 18 episodes, but there's a rumor that there's a second season coming out, and I really hope it's true. But it's set in the Bronze Age, and it takes place in the mythical land of Arth. The show is loosely based on the story of Tangwon, who is the founder of Kujosun, the first Korean kingdom, which ranged from modern-day North Korea up into parts of China. I have a map that I found online of what Arth looks like, and I have no idea where in Korea it's supposed to be based, if I'm being honest, so I will post that photo because it helped me understand exactly where all the characters are throughout the show. That will be on the Instagram page. South Korea's official name is the Republic of Korea. It is an East Asian country located on the Korean Peninsula. It shares only one land border, and that is with North Korea to the north. And to the west, it is separated from China by the Yellow Sea. It's separated from Japan to the southeast by the Korea Strait, and to the southeast by the Sea of Japan. Because it's a show based in a mythical land, and I don't know if Arth is supposed to be the same as Koldosan and where it's located, I can't really say what shows take place nearby, but I will mention the two other South Korean shows that I've covered, Vagabond and Crash Landing on You. Both have a good amount of their shows take place in Seoul, South Korea, but Crash Landing on You's primary location is in a fictional village north of the DMZ in North Korea, and Vagabond is in a little bit in Morocco, a little bit in Portugal, mostly in Seoul. Some fun facts about South Korea are Koreans believe that the type of blood you have has significance. From what I read, they're treated similar to zodiac signs here. They explain one's personality and can be a factor in choosing a spouse. There's a website, AsianWiki.com, that I use with all of the shows that I've watched from South Korea. It's similar to IMDB, but it separates the characters into different groups, and when you click on the actor's profile, it has their blood type. And I never understood why, and to be honest, I thought it was a little weird. I have no idea what my blood type is, so I was like, why would I want to know what Sun Jin's blood type is? But now it makes sense why they have it listed. I still don't really know what each blood type means, but I do know that type B females and type O females make a perfect couple. So there you go. There's a superstition that if you fall asleep with an electric fan on and both your windows and doors are closed, you may die. The belief is that the fan can either lower your body temperature and cause hypothermia, or the fast-moving air will cause you to choke. And while not everyone believes this, fans do have automatic shut-off timers in South Korea. I personally can only sleep with a fan on, so I would not have that automatic shut-off, because 
I wake up. The moment, like if our fuse blows at our house, the moment my fan stops or the air conditioner turns off, I'm like awake as if like I've arisen from the dead. It's, I can't sleep without it. On Valentine's Day in South Korea, it's the men that get chocolates from their partners. White Day, held on March 14th, is when women receive chocolate. They even have a day for single people. It's called Black Day. It is celebrated on April 14th. And celebrate doesn't seem like the right word because it's a day that single people are just openly gloomy and sad about being single. How they spend Christmas and New Year's Eve is different than how we spend Christmas and New Year's Eve here in the United States. For most people around the world, we spend Christmas with our families and New Year's Eve with our significant other or friends, but in South Korea, it's the opposite. I should also know that New Year's isn't as big in South Korea as maybe in other countries, and that's because the Lunar New Year is the biggest holiday of the year for South Korea, and that's when they spend time with their families. And finally, Koreans average only six hours of sleep a night. The recommended amount of sleep is eight to nine hours, but because it's the norm there, no one will complain about how tired they are unless you bring up sleep. I cannot function if I don't have eight hours of sleep, which is wild because in college, I literally averaged like two hours. I'd just fall asleep at 4 a.m. and I had to be up at 6 a.m. to work at the library. So I don't know how I did it, but I have done a complete 180 in that area of my life. They speak mainly Korean in this show, but they do throw in some words from the different languages of the different people in the show. So like the Ago tribe has some of their own words for certain things, as well as the Wahan tribe and so forth. But again, it's mainly Korean. There's an audio alternative option in Thai and an audio description available in Korean. Subtitles are available in English, Spanish, French, simplified Chinese, and traditional Chinese. The show is rated TVMA. The disclaimers that Netflix has for this show are suicide and language, and I'm gonna add that it's pretty gory at times. It's not that bad. I've definitely seen worse, but just to let you know, the links to all the websites where I got the information for the show, the fun facts, and any other information that I did not use my memory for are gonna be linked in the description of this episode as well as in the caption for the post that I made for the show on Instagram. Addiction, noun, the factor condition of being addicted to a particular substance thing or activity, an overwhelming compulsion. What makes us fall into the world of drugs and addiction? Why can some of us dabble in the illicit and walk away unscathed, while others of us travel downward into the deep spiral of addiction? Humans have always had a fascination with the allure of getting high. Our obsession with drugs isn't a new societal epidemic but one that has actually has its roots dating back to the ancient days of mankind. While the drugs we utilize to try and get high nowadays may have shifted, our fascination with the darkened path of addiction has not changed. If you or a loved one have been struggling with addiction or have in the past and would like to share your story, Please feel free to reach out to me via social media or through email at juryroompodcast at gmail.com. This is Addicted, a Jury Room production. Coming soon to wherever you listen to this podcast. Okay, so there are a lot of people in this show that pop up throughout. There's a website called AsianWiki.com that I mentioned earlier that has the whole cast available broken up into different groups with pictures to help keep everybody straight. I would definitely recommend if you ever get confused or it's hard to keep different groups separate, then definitely go on that website and kind of follow along with that guide. Again, they have it for almost every single 
Korean drama or Korean show that I've watched. So they are really, really helpful. I'm going to have the link to that website with the other links. And I'm mentioning specifically in this episode because I'm not going to go over everyone because it would take way too long. Like there are so many people in the show. So I'm going to mention four of the five main characters in this section only. The fifth one is a bit of a surprise and I don't want to spoil anything. So that's why I'm leaving them out. But when I go over the show in a minute or two, I will mention some other characters. But the four that I'm going to mention are Tagon, who is played by Chang Tanggon. He's a member of the Seyong tribe and he leads the Taekon forces, which is a group of men from different tribes that come together for a reason that I will mention in a few minutes. But he is one of the best and most respected warriors in Arth. Next is Unsum. He is played by Song Juki, and while he lives with the Wahan tribe, he isn't actually a member. And I'm not going to mention why not directly mention why but you can watch the show to see why but his best friend tanya who is played by kim ji-won is a member of the wahan tribe who lives in iarka she is the daughter of the spiritual leader of the tribe and is preparing to be the next leader after her mother they are a matriarchal tribe and lastly is tail ha she is a member of the hay tribe and they live in arthdal which is the place that the majority of the show takes place and the only other thing i will say is that she knows tagon and she is played by Kim Wok Bin. Again, those are like the four main characters. They are four of the more important characters, obviously. Everybody else plays important roles, but those are the, definitely the four that the majority of the show is about. The description that Netflix has for this show is, In the mythical land called Arth, the inhabitants of the ancient city of Arthdal and its surrounding regions vie for power as they build a new society. And before I go over the opening couple of minutes, I'm going to try my best to explain the world that this show takes place in, kind of. The description already tells you where the show takes place, Arth, and like I said before, I'm going to put a photo up of the map of Arth so that you can see where Arthdal, Iarka, Atulade, Hashi Mountain, and Agoha Forest all are. And I wish I had found this map while watching the show because it can get a little confusing kind of figuring out the distance between each place, but what I really wanted to go over are what the Soram, the Neante, and the Ikwatu are. So in the world of Arthdal, there are three types of people, Soram, Neante, and Ikwatu. Sarams are what most of the characters in the show are, and you can tell who is a Saram because they bleed red. So they are basically the same as humans in our world, except they can't dream. They have normal human strength, normal human speed, and normal human night vision, so not that great. Neantes are the other main group. I do want to say it looks like it should be Neanderthal, but it's not. They're not Neanderthals. Neante is, I believe, how you say it in Korean. But you can tell who a Neante is first by looking at their eyes. They all have blue eyes. That's the big giveaway. But they also have blue lips and bleed blue. Unlike the Saram, Neantes are incredibly strong and fast, and their eyes are able to see at night, even with no moon, and they can dream. So they're pretty much the exact opposites of Sarams. The last group of people are the Iquatus, and they are half Saram and half Nayante. When they are children, they have a purple scab on their back, which is the main giveaway that they are Iquatus. But when they get older, at around, I'd say probably 16 to 18 years old, they don't say exactly how old, but it, that feels about right based on how much time has passed. But once that scab falls off, it's really hard to tell if a person is an Igotu unless they bleed because their blood is purple, half red, half blue. They do have purple lips, but they can easily cover them to hide the color. 
and their eyes only glow purple sometimes depending on their emotions, so like if they are angry. But Iguatus are not welcomed among the Saram. It is said that they bring bad blood and hiding that you are an Iguatu is a matter of life or death, at least with the Saram from Arthdal who I would compare to Americans. If you don't understand something, you fear it, and that fear leads you to trying to kill it. Which leads us to the opening of the show, which takes place, like I said, 16 to 18 years before the rest of the show is set, and it serves two purposes. Not just to let us know how Unsam ended up with the Wahan tribe, but also to show the tensions between the Saram and the Nayantes, and it takes the whole first episode for them to set it up, so I'm just gonna mention the opening five minutes or so, which in the grand scheme of things isn't much, if I'm being honest. It kind of... well... You really need the whole first episode, but it opens up with Asahon sleeping next to a baby. She is a member of the Asa family, which makes up the White Mountain tribe. They live in Arthdal and are Saram. She's having a nightmare of some sorts, which remember, Sarams can't dream, so weird. But as we see quick flashes of the nightmare, we see a snake slither up like her body and it's getting ready to strike at the baby. And when it does, we see the baby's eyes glow purple. So the baby's not sleeping, but Asahon is. It then goes to a quick title page, like before the snake is able to strike. And then we hear a voiceover that gives us an idea of what life is like for the people of Arthdale. So he says, this is, I'm obviously translating it into English. But it's in ancient times when mankind came down from the trees, they learned to use fire and began making sharp blades, invented wheels and started paving trails, and finally learned to plant seeds and settled in one place. But they did not have a nation or a king. Homo sapiens didn't have dreams and had not yet reached the top of the great pyramid of nature, the glorious land of our ancient mothers, this place, Arth. So again, he's speaking Korean. That's what the subtitles say, so if it doesn't really make much sense, because there are some parts of there where I'm like, okay, like this place, Arth, I feel like could have been translated better, but that is what the subtitle said, so. But as he's speaking, we're getting an aerial view of Arth, and when it ends, we see some men running through the woods, and it seems like they're running from something. They are members of the Taekan force who live in Arthdal, but we see some flashes of what the men are running from, and we can see that it is moving incredibly fast. And based on what I already told you, I'm sure you figured it out, is one of the Neantes Ragas, and it turns out that they aren't actually running away from him, but rather they are hunting him. There were like 20 of the Taekon forces going after him. Again, we really only see flashes of him like taking out one of the hunters, and then the hunter falls from a tree with his arms having been torn off, so... Again, Neantes are fast and strong as fuck. I will say it's actually pretty cool how they shoot this shot because when the camera focuses on one of the hunters, all you see is the Neantes strike in the background. So you're obviously focused on the actor because you're expecting something to happen to him. And then like you just see like a something like quick in the background and I've really enjoyed it. But he's taking out these hunters like it is nothing. And we just see the limbs laying next to the bodies that he tore them from. And he walks up to Muguang, who was trying to light something on fire. It was smoking a lot, so I think it was like a smoke bomb of some sorts to help like hide from Lagaz. But before he can kill Muguang, some other members of the Taekon force shoot some arrows down at them from like a hill or something and Ragaz runs away. And this is when we meet the rest of the Taekon forces. We realize that there's a lot more than just 20 of them hunting like one Neante. 
but the rest of the episode is kind of explaining how we got to that point, which is 10 years prior to the rest of the show. Again, the timeline, I, I, I think I mentioned this later. I've probably, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, to be quite honest with you, but the timeline of this show is quite confusing. So the majority of this show happens 10 years after the events that the majority of the first episode is about. So the rest of the episode is seeing how we ended up in this moment with the Taekon forces hunting Ragas, which I'm not sure how long before, at least a couple of months, I'd say probably around a year before this, we see Sarams and we see Neantes meeting at White Mountain for what seems to be like a peace meeting, a peace uh, conference type thing. And that's where we first see Asahan. Um, she's standing next to, I believe, her father, who again is a member of the White Mountain tribe. We then see how Tegan, who is young uh, at this point, plays a part in a plan that the Sarams have devised. Um, he plays a quite sinister part in this plan. I was like, mm, he'd be labeled as a sociopath in modern uh, terms. But we see how that all plays out. We see that Asahan is, she's not the peace offering, but she's bringing a peace offering to the Neantes, which is actually just a ruse, kind of like a distraction. We see the awful attack on the Neantes, which is meant to wipe out all of them. Like that is the plan of the Sarams is to kill all of the Nantes because the Saram basically describe the Nantes as these horrible, evil monsters that just want to kill everybody. It's very um, colonizers meeting an indigenous tribe for the very first time and having no understanding and refusing to understand and to learn their culture. So instead, they're just going to kill them because they're different. That's like the best way I can describe this situation between Sarams and Nantes. But again, we so we see the attack. We see Asahan survive. I will say she does survive the attack. We see how she survives the attack. And the scene of Asahan sleeping with the baby next to her is about a year after that attack, which is happening. Her sleeping is happening at the exact same time as Ragaz is running away from the Taekon forces in the forest. So that is happening at the same time. The Taekon forces attacking Ragaz leads to the official formation of the Taekon forces. Because after what happens with Uragaz and Muguang and all of the other soldiers, we see the soldiers kind of celebrating. And there's they have a meeting, and this is when Tagon becomes the official leader of the Taekon forces, where they are going to take as long as it takes, basically, to hunt down and kill all of the remaining Neantes, which is described as the Great Hunt, which takes 10 years. I will say I am leaving out something that happens during this scene with Tagon and Ragaz and the Daekon forces because it's a spoiler that I don't really want to mention. I don't really want to give everything away. But there is something else that happens, specifically with Tagon in the forest. But because Asahan has a baby that is Ikwatu, which again will be killed by the Saram, even though she's Saram, it doesn't matter. The baby will be killed because they don't want Ikwatus. They are considered evil. If Neantes are considered monsters, Ikwatu are considered evil. 
she has to go on the run. So we also see that, which is how we see her end up in Yarka and how we see Unsum end up with the Wahan tribe. The first episode is a lot and it's very slow moving. And I just recorded that bit of me explaining how the rest of the episode happens or what happens within the rest of the episode about four or five different times. And I confused myself. So I'm hoping when I edit this, I can make it so that it makes sense. But it is an important episode to kind of understand the environment of what's going on in the rest of the episodes. But again, it's it's a pretty slow start. And I, I definitely was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to like this show. But I pushed through and I, it's, I, it's amazing. It's an amazing show. Also, I think the fact that it is a slow start can help you understand kind of what's happening. Because if they like rushed through this part of like the information about the tension between the two different groups, then it would be even more confusing. So as slow as it is, it is kind of important to be slow, maybe a little bit faster. And definitely, 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 definitely more clear on the timeline because the timeline is very confusing. Um, but that's where I'm gonna leave it. I did mention a little bit more than I thought I was going to. I wasn't planning on mentioning the plan. I didn't actually say what the plan was, but I wasn't actually gonna mention that Tagon was a part of it. But like then halfway through, I was like, why, why not? That's not really a spoiler. Like, just say it. So I did. I could honestly talk about this show in probably the first episode all day. And I would love to talk about exactly what the plan was how fucked up it was, everything that happened afterwards, and how like it sets up the 17 episodes that follow it. But that would be like a three hour episode and it'd be full of spoilers. And again, I don't do spoilers. Sometimes I really, really want to. And sometimes I really just want to be like, you know what? Fuck it. This happened, this happened, this happened. I, I just want to talk about it. There are a lot of different storylines that are happening in this show and it can be confusing at times and this is probably a show that you're probably better off watching more than once because every time you watch it you're going to pick up something else and it's going to make even more sense so again it, it can be a very confusing show before i get to my likes and dislikes here is a promo from my friend big bra and his podcast live with big bra what's good people this is your boy big bra i'm the host of live with big bra a podcast where I keep it raw, uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered. Always keeping it 100 and giving you guys my opinion on topics that you need to go check out. Live with Big Bruh is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, or wherever else you like to listen to your favorite podcast. Make sure you go subscribe, rate, and share it. And while you're at it, tell your friends to tell their friends to do the same thing. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Live with Big Bruh. And remember, they can hold you, but they can't stop you. Big Bruh out. So for my likes and dislikes for this show, first of all, I loved this show. When I first started this podcast over two years ago, I created like a long list of TV shows that like maybe I'd want to watch, maybe uh, my friend Amanda, who was going to do the podcast with me at the time, maybe she would like to watch and all of this. And Arthiel Chronicles was one of the first shows that I saw when doing that list and I don't usually seek these types of shows out so I wasn't too sure about actually watching it because I'm like ah it's not really my vibe which is not true I absolutely love these shows but there was something about it that kept drawing me in so finally like a year and a half later I was like all right 
I'm gonna give it a go. And again, I am so glad that I did. I loved the overall storyline of the show and the different smaller ones that pop up throughout. The negative of the show for me was that at times the acting isn't the best, but there's way more good acting than there was bad in my opinion. Kim Ji-won, who plays Tanya, who's my favorite in this show, she did an amazing job in every scene she was in. Like, she killed it. And the little girls that play Doti and Konahi do an amazing job as well. Like, they so good. To be honest, all of the female actors in this show killed it. Kim Ok-bin, Yoon Sa-bong, Park Sung-yeon, Kobo Gae, Elena An, Kim Ho-jung, Erika Karata, Sim Eun-nu, Pei Da-bin, and Chu Ja-hoon all killed their roles. It was awesome seeing so many amazing female characters of all ages in this show. And in my opinion, they really carried the show. Like the female characters in the show, oh, they are, they are so, so, so good. I thought the show was shot beautifully. Some of the, the shots, some of the scenes were absolutely breathtaking. Like the forest and the waterfalls, it was, it was amazing. I know that one of the criticisms of this show is that the characters use weapons or armor that wasn't around during the Bronze Age which is when this show takes place, like I said earlier. But in my opinion, who cares? They have people that have blue and purple blood. It's not like it's a historical, accurate drama. It's a fantasy show. The only thing I didn't like, again, I know there was some bad acting, but like it didn't really bother me. But the one thing I did not like was, like I said earlier, at times it's hard to tell how much time has passed because what seems like maybe months passing by is actually like a week and it doesn't really make sense so you have to just sort of let go of the timeline like that's what made me mad them using weapons or armor that wasn't in the bronze age i don't give a shit but like having no idea how much time has passed like God. i i need to know like at the end of the first episode there's a 10 year jump before an additional like five years in the second episode, and the only evidence is that the actors that play Tagon and Unsum change. Like all of the other characters don't change at all. There's literally no difference. Not a single gray hair or wrinkle was added to show that they have aged 15 years. And it's like Tagon is the only person that aged like there's one character that like when I rewatched it I was like oh maybe I got the timeline wrong and then they show Tagon who's like a kid not a kid but like a teenager and I'm like no they okay no I'm not I'm not wrong but the actor looks like an apprentice like a young guy it, it, he's 15 years older what like what can we can you please that bothers me use whatever fucking armor you want you want to show up with a fucking machine gun I don't give a shit just keep the timeline straight just or make it clear because i'm confused and i i need to know how much time has passed because that is all i think about when watching a show that's like literally the only thing that bothered me with the show maybe if i rewatch it again i'll be able to keep it like more clear but it's very confusing when you first watch it but overall like i said i loved this show it's definitely top five maybe top three i'd have to go over my list again but it is i love it i cannot wait for the second season because i need to know what happens because it ends 
with a lot of unanswered questions. And if you watch Korean shows, you know that not many of them get a second season. Not a lot. So the fact that this was even rumored to be getting a second season, and then like there was some confirmation that it had already started filming, it needs to happen because I have so many questions that I need answers to. If you guys watched this show or if you already have watched this show, then let me know if you liked it, if you didn't like it, if the timeline thing bothered you, or if the Bronze Age armor weapon debacle bothered you, because that doesn't bother me at all, but maybe you feel that way about the timeline, but let me know. So for things that stood out, this is a historical fantasy show, so like everything stood out, and I have no idea what is based in reality and what is made up, so I can't even begin to... I can't even begin. If you guys watch this show and anything stands out to you, let me know. Whether it's like, oh, that's still how it's done in Korea, or that is not accurate at all, let me know. I know the show is loosely based on the story of Tangwan, who, again, like I said earlier at the very beginning, is the founder of Kojo-san, the first Korean kingdom. I personally don't know the story of Tangwan too well, but Kojo-san was located around present-day Liaoning, China, which is a province located to the northwest of the Korean Peninsula, which is the place I'm guessing the show is supposed to take place. I'm not 100% sure. Of course, if I'm wrong, then you can always let me know, but that is the place on the map that I'm gonna say this show takes place kind of until otherwise. But Tangwon founded Kojo-san in 2333 BCE, and October 3rd is when Koreans celebrate the founding of Korea's first dynasty, and there are about 17 religions that worship Tangwon called Daejongism or Taegonjo in Korean. But other than that little fun fact, I don't have anything that stood out like I said, so again, if you guys do, let me know. Now for words and phrases, I do have a couple. Uh, three of them, I believe, are made up for the show, and the reason I think they're made up is because there is an explanation for the words that pop up in Korean, similar to how North Korean colloquialisms were explained in Crash Landing on You. So let's go over those first, and then I'll end with the Korean word that wasn't made up for the show, or Korean phrase that wasn't made up for the show. The, so the first is Nirua, and it is a title of honor that we see used throughout Arth, mainly in Arthdal, with like the tribes that live in that region. Next is Pijat, and it is a curse word of the Ago tribe, and it means son of a bitch. The last one is Benet Beyot, and it is a Wahan term that means twin. And then the Korean phrase that I got is Anja, and it means sit down. I'm going to put those up on Instagram so you can see them written out in Hangul or the Korean alphabet. Again, they are Nirua, Pijat, Benet Beyot, and Anja. If you guys pick up any words or phrases while watching this show, or if these are real words and I'm just an idiot, then let me know. Also, let me know if I said any of them wrong so that I can pronounce them correctly. For familiar faces, I was able to recognize three actors. Well, technically four, but because I hadn't actually watched that show, I'm not gonna count him, but I will mention him and this show when I talk about that show. But I will recognize three from shows that I had already seen before watching the show. The first is Yuteo. He plays Ragaz in the show. He is a Nante that we meet in the first episode. And I know him from the show Vagabond, which I covered way back in episode three, two years ago. He played Jerome in that show. That show is also really good. Watch that. And I recognize the other two actors from Crash Landing on You, one of my favorite shows of all time. First is Park Young Soo. He played Yoon Se Hyung in Crash Landing on You, Yoon Sari's older brother. And in this show, he plays Kilsun. 
a member of the Seong tribe in the Taekwon forces. Do not like him in this show. Did not like him in the other show. And finally, we have Tang Chong Wan. In Crash Landing on You, he played North Korean soldier Pyo Chisu, who also went by the nickname Pakuki or Kuku in English. A member of Captain Yi's company, and in this show he plays Tode, a member of the Wahan tribe. I love him. I love this man so much. He's in another show that I've seen. I love him. He he was so funny in Crash Landing on You. He doesn't play as um, funny of a character in the show. Um, it's definitely more of a sad, sadder situation. Um, but I love him. If you guys are able to recognize any of the other actors from this show, then let me know which ones and where you know them from, and if the show or movie is available to stream, because I will watch it 100%. But that's all I have for you guys for the show so far. It was confirmed, like I said at the beginning of 2020, that this show was renewed, but like all other shows and movies that were planned to be filmed in 2020, COVID postponed productions, and there hasn't been official word about where the show stands since, but there was an account on Instagram that posted a photo of the actors on set. They deleted it pretty quickly, which makes me think that it's true, that it was real. But when someone asked when the photo was from, they said it was taken on May 31st, 2021, which would make sense if they're filming the second season. There is also a picture of Song Ju-ki with his hair grown out similar to how Unsum wears it in the show. So hopefully that means that they are recording the second season and that it is coming out very, 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 very soon because it's now 2022. Please. I know the first season took eight months to complete. So chances are the second season won't come out till next year, but hopefully we don't have to wait that long. I'm hoping maybe they can sneak it in at the end of 2022 and then have it go into 2023. That's what I'm really hoping because I really want it to come out. But I don't know how many times I've said it uh, in this episode, but I loved this show. So I strongly suggest you guys go and watch it. If you do, let me know what you think about it. And if you loved it like I do, or if you hated it. Actually, if you hated it, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. As always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at OfficialHYSI. You can check out the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash OfficialHYSI. And if you have show suggestions or feedback, you can email me at HaveYouSeenIt1 at gmail.com. That is the number one, not the word. I hope you all have a wonderful day and a wonderful weekend. Stay safe and healthy. And I will see you hopefully next week, if not next week, then in two weeks, where I'll be talking about the drama New Heights from Switzerland. Have you seen it? Because I have.